0: This episode of the Out of podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hi there. My name is Adam Jabber. This is the Out of podcast. I'm having a really rough time doing intros today, so this is take a couple. Um, my guest today is Jordy Cortez. Jordy is the centerpiece to a Fox suspension series uh, on YouTube called Dialed. Um, he is way more popular on YouTube than I am uh he's way more popular probably in real life than i am it is uh it was an honor to have him on the show i really enjoy his content personally i have for for a while um and i i don't know this is just a great conversation where we talk about things like how much he hates strava um e-bikes he is not a fan of in general there are you know we kind of go through that it's not just a blanket statement um he's starting an only fans that's breaking news and uh, Downhill Racing, and then we kind of go through some agree-disagree questions, which I think is a segment that I'm keeping because I actually like doing those. So um, enjoy the episode. This audio is a little weird, but I think we figured out. It gets better. So just hang tight. It's a really good conversation. It's worth listening. I promise. Um, before we jump into the show, there's new merch available. We have new hats. As I keep saying, buy some hats, buy some T-shirts, Uh, In the month of July, we are donating every dollar of every sticker sale. So buy some stickers uh, to Planned Parenthood um, or an applicable organization of your choosing. Just let us know in the order notes, and that's where the money will go. Every dollar. Not part of it. Not a dollar of every sale. Not a portion. Not the proceeds. Whatever the fuck. All, like, everything. So uh, hopefully that'll do some good. Hopefully some money will go a decent length. That's the goal. To help... You know the rights of other human beings, which is not a thing that I feel like we should have to be fighting for. But I'm happy that we are. So, um, before so go do that. Before we jump into the show, uh, well, before we jump into the show, we have sponsors Sierra Nevada. They've been a sponsor of the show for a long time. They're a wonderful partner of ours. Um, if you haven't yet, check out their new summer break IPA. Check out their new Hop Splash. Uh, which is a non alcoholic product that they offer. Um, probably my favorite product that they offer, to, if we're being totally honest. Um, it's like a seltzer that has like a hoppy flavor to it. Completely non alcoholic. It is It is amazing. They also, Ethan, if you could scroll up, go back. Come on in. Um, they have a whole bunch of, scroll down again. We're going to little things. They also have Sunny Little Thing and Wild Little Thing, uh, which are two of my favorites. A little more sour, a little lighter, a little more summer-friendly. Great product offerings. Uh, if you are over the age of 21, please enjoy those responsibly. Uh, they also have merch. If you are looking for some Sierra Nevada merch, just hit me up. We have uh, some pretty aggressive discount codes for some amazing Sierra Nevada merch that you can't really get anywhere else. So, uh, so yeah. Check out Sierra Nevada if you're over the age of 21. Cool. Uh, next up, we have Fisher fisher is our title sponsor for the year 2022 they make an excellent product that is coming to shelves this fall and i have it in my hands finally this is the best kids boot that has ever been made why is it the best kids boot we're going to talk about it in the gear talk coming soon uh it's it's amazing like i'm so psyched on it it's soft up top it's easy to get into there we're doing lots of bits on that okay so if you have kids you have little kids That's the boot you need. Uh, They also have a brand-new Ranger series, as we've talked about many times before. It's really, really good. I would implore you to go check it out. A couple of these will be featured in the gear guide. Not because they're a sponsor, but because they're actually really good. Um, And I mean that with my whole heart, because the 96 is actually one of the most fun skis that I've skied, period, because it's quick, it's dicey, it's fun. You can take it wherever you want, tour with it. Ski groomers with it. Ski some soft stuff with it. Ski crud. Do whatever the fuck you want. That's the ski. Um, Goes 90 all the way up to 116. Um, so huge offering um, and huge commitment from Fisher in the new Ranger line. So check that stuff out. Um, and now, Revel Bikes. Our final sponsor of the day. As you know, as you maybe know, as you maybe don't know, I've been riding a Rail 29 uh, with some Fox suspension on it. Shout out Jordy. It's, it's an amazing product. Like I've (laughs) really enjoyed riding that thing. This is kind of what I was referring to when I was like, are downhill bikes necessary? You'll hear me ask that question. I don't think they are because this thing does everything. This does everything I want it to and more. You gotta remember this is coming from someone who rides a cross country bike on not cross country trails, but That's your jam. Revel's got you covered, too. They've got a Ranger. I mean, they've got a Rascal, too. Like, they've got every... They have the whole range of bike product uh, that you could possibly want. They're becoming this, like, complete bike company, this complete mountain bike company um, that I think a couple years ago was just... It just wasn't a thing. They have a new dirt jumper that's out, too, called the Tweety, um, which is sick. Like They're they're making everything. They're making bikes that they want to ride, that the people... In the factory in Carbondale, want to ride, Um, and I think that that's really cool. And I'm psyched for them. I'm psyched to be a part of it, and I'm psyched that uh, that I get to ride them. Like, if we're being honest, like that's the best part is that I get to ride these things because they are incredible. Um, So with that, leave a review. uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Don't leave a review for my shitty ad reads and my horrible intros. Leave a review for the conversations and the guests that we have on the platform. Be sure to listen to all the other shows on the network. Check out reviews dropping on outofpodcast.com. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube. If you're not a YouTube subscriber, go do that. That's uh, New reviews are out now. There actually should be a new rail review dedicated by this date. And if there's not, Ethan's fired. So, And that means everyone's fired if Ethan's fired. So, um, That being said, enjoy the episode with Jordy Cortez. Bye. Jordy, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there.
1: Um, Well, yeah. My name's Jordy and I work for Fox. <laughs> Fox, Fox Factory, not Fox Racing, so, and not Fox News. Not that's. <laughs> we we get a few of those comments every time. That's
0: probably. Is there? Yeah. Do people still not get it that there's like multiple different Fox companies like that? I I feel like that should not be easy so enough.
1: <laughs> Even when you explain it, like no, that's the other Fox. Oh yeah, you have those bells. that's a good right so you have them or not yeah
0: (laughs) i never thought about it i actually never thought about the correlation at all except for like with the clothing company the clothing company and the suspension company a little more
1: they were the same really yeah there's two brothers that started fox factory that is news
0: to me i had no idea
1: and then kind of falling out split up and there's fox head and fox
0: tail. No shit. Wow, that's yeah. uh, that's good intel. I had no idea. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a really cool story. Huh? Interesting. Um. All right. Well. Anyway, that's not why I brought yeah. you on. I brought you yeah, on to talk. Uses it even more. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, all right. Well, what questions should I ask? Um. Tell, like, what's your background? How did you get into suspension? How did you get the gig at Fox? What? Like, let's kind of start there.
1: Um, my background is pretty random. Um, I don't really have training in anything. I just, (laughs) I just kind of go through life doing things until they don't work out and then I do something else. Um, I ran a motorcycle shop for a long time. I worked as a kind of high-end fabricator for a long time. And And then I started working as a bike mechanic for a race team. And that transitioned into meeting people at Fox. And I've always kind of been fascinated by uh, suspension and making things better apart from the rider. So making the rider experience better. And I ended up talking to the guy who started the race department at Fox. We were pretty decent friends. We rode bikes together. And he offered me a job. And that was that. I didn't know anything about anything when I started there. And was so scared about learning suspension. People were taking things apart on benches, and I was like, i, I put this back I don't understand any of this."
0: It's it's by far and then within think, a year. It's like, ah, oh, this
1: is easy. I got this. It, dude, it's by
0: far the most daunting thing. I think when you look at it from like what what the consumer understands, and even in bike shops, what they understand as far as suspension. Like, you look at suspension as a whole, and you're like, "What what is going on?" Right? Like, it's the scariest thing at least to me, of of all the things in, in the bike world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd probably rather work on suspension than brakes. Really? I think so, and now we have e-bikes. That's just a whole nother disaster.
0: I guess that's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. What is there? Real quick, is there an actual difference between a shock that is tuned for an e-bike versus a shock that is tuned for a regular mountain bike? And I, I assume the answer is yes, and I, I know that there is some level of difference, but what what is that what does that mean for the consumer? Like what is actually different?
1: That honestly, that's really up to the manufacturers. Oh really? So we'll, we'll do testing with each manufacturer. And if they want to spec a specific tune for their e-bike and call it e-bike tune, then that's what they'll do. We provide different chassis for forks. That are definitely e-bike specific just to deal with heavier weights and somewhat different riding styles for
0: The majority
1: of e-bikes, yeah. But a shock chassis is the same. It would just be internals that are a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Has that Has that whole category been a surprise to you at all over the last few years? Like how much e-bikes have blown up, and I like it's kind of almost been a slow burn, and then all of a sudden now it's like everybody comes in looking for an e-bike, and they're like willing to accept that e-bikes, especially full suspension e-bikes, cost you know, seven to 10 grand and over, you know, like, I think it's, it's a very weird, it's a weird thing to me, but people seem to be like pretty receptive towards it. And I I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but has that been a surprise to you at all?
1: That's an interesting question. I I don't, I guess riding the first couple of E-bikes and seeing how absolutely terrible they were. That it's a bit of a surprise that they've taken off so hard, but it's also the industry has gotten behind it and it's such a massive push for e-bikes and it has been, at least where I live, the e-bike thing took off during COVID. Mm. Um, that kind of coincided with people not going to work so much working from home <laughs> And i live like an hour from silicon valley so we had an entire tech sector that's pretty wealthy really that are able to buy e-bikes that were no longer going to work yeah and that kind of that really opened my eyes to how many e-bikes there are right now europe's always been receptive to e-bikes and it's a whole different scene there yeah yeah it's it, it's really Go ahead. It's so regional. Like, I'm super anti-e-bike. Are you? But that's because, yeah. Yeah. I I think they have a function. I think commuting and trail work, trail patrol, stuff like that, they're amazing. (laughs) They're great. Right? But they're still totally disposable. And most of the people that are riding them are new or returning to mountain bikes have no idea what anything is and are just getting themselves out into situations that they shouldn't be in Mm. you know mountain biking is not easy it's not safe right that's part of it and it's not for everyone and the ability to get yourself into a situation that you're not necessarily ready for probably isn't the best thing
0: yeah yeah, I guess that's that's my biggest concern is like, and I put out a tweet like a few weeks ago where I was talking about like, okay, like the biggest thing with e-bikes is that if you put, it's like you have an idiot and you put him on an e-bike, he's just an idiot moving really fast, right? Like that's yeah. the biggest, that's my biggest argument against it, I guess. My biggest argument for it is like accessibility for people who have like I don't know who have an injury or have something that allow like that physically makes them not like I have a friend um, who started high fives which is a foundation that basically like helps people who have had life-changing and in- injuries get back out and do the sports that they love and all that stuff and e-bikes have changed his life and he's who changed my opinion on it because initially I was like fuck e-bikes it's the worst thing in the entire world he was like I can't ride a bike period without an e-bike like he's like I actually can't pedal but now I can. He's like, I'm old, like, I'm respectful. I am riding it on trails that are for e-bikes. And that, I like, I'm with that, right? I think, and I think if everybody treated it that way, we'd be in an awesome place with e-bikes, right? Like, yeah, 100. It's, it's it's a totally it's, different. It's
1: thing. a tool, right. right? But how many people do you also see? They're like, oh yeah, I got the e-bike because I'm rehabbing my knee, and then three years later, they're still on the fucking e-bike <laughs> and they're still <laughs> rehabbing really my knee. Yeah, it's like dude. That's not how it works. Yeah.
0: And I think the point well, of like are hard. Yeah, dude. That's that's the thing is like you're putting yourself in this position, like you said, where you can get hurt and like you're getting yourself you're moving fast on single track with limited control on a fifty plus pound bicycle. It's it's fucking dangerous. And the etiquette thing, I think, is where the gap is. And I think shops and brands i think that responsibility of like teaching that etiquette yeah. kind of falls on those companies right
1: for sure it falls on all of us right, right. we're we're not immune to it but... i just it's like we're not educating people about bicycles period and then you add in a motor <laughs> right that allows people to do things dumber a lot quicker yeah so There's there's a huge gap there
0: and it just needs to be addressed. Yeah. Bikes have like this weird smoke and mirrors thing though, I think. And that's, that's kind of the inherent problem with the whole thing, right? Is like expensive bikes and like, I don't know. There's always like this smoke and mirrors thing for everything to do with cycling in a certain sense. Like nobody knows what they're looking at, right? They only know what they've been told, the information is like, it's out there, but it's kind of hard to figure out what's opinion-based, what's actual information, what should be done in an area. Like it's, it's hard and it's a lot to digest, especially if someone's a casual user. And that's just with bikes in general, I think, right? Yeah, it is for sure. So it's, that would be a thing I think I'd like to, I don't know, I'd hope gets better and better over, over the course of time. I mean, who
1: knows? I, I think it is getting better and at, at least from my perspective and, interacting with people a few years ago versus today things, things seem to have changed a little bit. Like there's talk about things. People are starting to listen about suspension and it's like, what other $10,000 purchase would you do blindly
0: That's a really good
1: point. And roll it in your house and not do a thing.
0: Like <laughs> yeah. I can't think of one. I can't think of one off the top of my head at all.
1: Even guys that right. are buying motos that are cheaper than most mountain bikes. Right. You do some research, you read some articles, you look at things, you go to different dealers and you try stuff. Right. Yeah. There's a, in general, like if you're really into it, you take a suspension off, you send it somewhere, you have it set up for you. Right. That's a thing. Right. But with bikes, it's like, oh, I just dropped 12 grand. And, oh, I don't have a shotgun. Do I need one of those? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, fuck a shock pump. Most people don't have bike pumps at their house, like a regular bicycle <laughs> pump. Exactly. Like, it's just like, we're not even there. Don't even go there yet. Like, week by week, you
1: just see the tire getting lower and lower. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, exactly. Time. It's like, on one hand, we're making everything super easy and accessible because of the internet, and on the other hand, there's so much information that it's, like, even harder to find what good information is now. So we're, like, at yeah. this weird crossroads where basically you just learn from your closest friends or your next closest buddy that rides a bike too and then that's how you get in i mean it's honestly how i got into it too was like it's how a lot of people get into it so you have a friend that rides bikes and you ride bikes with your friend and you pick up things and you meet other people and it grows like that which is nice it's organic but it's it's progressional right versus now i think people get thrown into the deep end so quickly it's uh yeah i don't know it's a very bizarre thing
1: yeah i mean where else can you walk into a store as long as you have a good credit card or cash yeah. And buy something that's winning road cuts. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen with a car. It's not going to happen with a motorcycle. <laughs> right. With like, right. a bike, you can buy the exact same thing people are racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I don't even think people understand that. The work is a whole different deal.
0: Yeah, right, right. That's yeah. One, and we'll get into that part later. But I haven't agree or disagree exactly on this topic, so we'll <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to that at the end. Um, but kind of on this topic, in terms of good information and providing that information, I wanted to talk to you about dialed in the series and how that kind of started and what that's been like as an experience for you, because I imagine it's kind of weird to have a camera pointed at your face every race weekend, um, often, uh, <laughs> and I imagine fairly aggressively, like they're up on you. Um, but you guys are providing this awesome service to people that I don't even know, I assume you guys realize it, but I'm not positive you guys realize how effective it is at getting people to understand suspension and what suspension does and give a shit about suspension. It's amazing that people care that much, like for I don't know, 45, 50, 60 thousand people to watch a video on suspension. And get committed to a series about not a bike, a part of a bike. And specifically the way uh, that part of a bike works. So just talk to me a little bit about what that experience has been like.
1: It's been pretty wild, I have to say. Um, I think it kind of started with the This is PD videos that Steel City Media was doing. And then that kind of transitioned into the syndicate videos. And from there, um, my newer boss at the time, of the, the big boss of us, was really a fan of it and kind of took it and ran with it. And it's like, we need to have our own thing and get some videographers out there and turn this into a real series. And it happened so gradually, you know, from This from Is Petey to Syndicate to doing our own thing. It, we had one video guy for the first year and I think it's just one of those things you don't really focus on until you stop and look back and now we have Jake and Schaefer doing it like two video guys full time doing this series and I'll go somewhere and somebody will be like dude I love your (laughs) videos," and it's still like huh yeah (laughs) oh yeah so the fact that people are watching them and are soaked on them and are learning is pretty special. That was my kind of goal was to demystify everything and just let people understand that it's it's really not that hard. It's like what we do gets tricky, but you're dealing with athletes and it's a whole different field.
0: It's yeah.
1: the stress of racing and having somebody there to bounce ideas off of, but you can do all this stuff yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of the goal is to just demystify the whole situation. I don't know if that always works out, but
0: I don't know. Dude, I think it's been to me, it's the it's put in very simple and fun terms and it's watchable. I think that's the biggest difference between that and like watching a suspension tech, right? Like because like you can go and watch a suspension tutorial and it'll get a lot of views and but people are watching it to do the service themselves, I think. They're not looking to understand it. They're just looking to gain the information they need, the same way people treat recipes, right? Like, I need to make breadsticks today. How the fuck do I make breadsticks? This is the information. I take it, and I don't care about it after that. Dialed is a thing that people go back and they watch over and over and over again because it's digestible, and it's fun, and it interacts with all their favorite athletes, but it also has you as kind of a centerpiece there, which is like, Kind of like guiding where things go. And I forget the gentleman's name that's on that is like the host this year. Uh Connor's Jake. Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's like it it but it really focuses on the athletes, it focuses on everybody in the pits, and I think that's what makes it so fun for people, is this is an interaction at the highest level. And they're talking about it in simple terms the same way you would talk. To your buddy about it on the trail,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 the fact that we are all just people, <laughs> right? We're all just hanging out and trying to do a job. The right. athletes, us, whoever. There's no difference,
0: right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that it's it's been very interesting for me to watch it over the past few years because I thought I'd get bored of it. But the switch up is very, like, it's fun. Like, sometimes it's just, like, you on a trail running through, like, different ways, like, bracketing, for example. Like, that was the thing that was yeah. extremely helpful for me to think about, like, how I did my suspension. Because every time I'd look, and I'm, I mean, I don't know, I work in a shop, I'm a mechanic, I know how to do these things. But I never thought of bracketing as a way to set up my suspension, and I never thought about like, okay, maybe I should actually pay attention to it instead of being like, let me crank this shit up, see how it feels. If it feels bad, I'll crank it all the way down. And if it feels bad, maybe I'll find a middle point. And I, I feel like that's how a lot of people set their shit up, but it's it's been a very well-produced series. So my question, I guess, is how do you think it's been effective... Overall, like as a product, and if there was something that you could change about the series, what would that be?
1: I hope it's been effective. I don't. I don't know what the product is. really. It's not <laughs> incredibly defined for me. It, it's part of it's just entertainment, right? Right. And part of it is to inform, and hopefully, little bits of that uh, get through to people. Um, I've had plenty of people come up and say, hey, I watched the videos and that got me to actually start setting my suspension up. But I've also had people just message me and be like, hey, what should I put in my foot? <laughs> and that's like the exact opposite of what we've been trying to teach people the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, follow the process. It's not that hard. It might take you a little bit of time, but it's your time and you're going to learn. Yeah. As opposed to just hitting me up on Saturday morning on Instagram and asking me for settings for your bike you just
0: How often does that happen? A lot. Yeah. But I bet. A lot. <laughs> Do you answer? It's What's your what is your what is your answer?
1: I won't. I, if it's somebody normally I'll just delete him because I find it kind of rude like I get it Instagram is so easily available and it's like hey this guy does suspension I'm just going to message him on the weekend and ask him to set my <sighs> suspension up.
0: yeah it is rude you it's know? totally
1: rude yeah it's totally it's rude like, well, you, the first sentence is I love that I watch them all right then you should have stopped and gone back and watched one that told you how to set your suspension up. <laughs>
0: This is a very good point. I it's funny because people don't look at cuz people message me all the time about gear shit and like for the most part like that's the platform that we've created is like okay like we are here to be accessible we're here to offer, you know, insight on what we can. That part's really good. But when people message me personally, like on my shit, I'm like this is the wrong like and that's the the thing I imagine you struggle with is like your brand like your brand as you and you as Jordy are very it's the same handle. It's the same thing. It's the same. People think that it's like you have a team of people answering at all hours of the day, I think sometimes. Right. And it's just not the reality.
1: No, definitely not. (laughs) It's (laughs) just me. And there's definitely people that come at me with solid information and actually trying to fix a problem. Yeah. And that, that's a little bit different. Right. It's like, Hey, I'm doing this, 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 and this, and I'm struggling with this. Right. And at least that is, I can wade through the info in a few minutes and be like, well, you should try this. But right. most people are just like, do this for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. Or, Hey, I'm having this problem. And then it would be like, what's your air pressure? Where's your rebound? How many volume spacers Are you counting the proper way? Yeah. And you're talking about like an hour long session of just trying to fish information out of people that are hitting you up for info. Right. This is so a paid service. Like, so supremely lazy to not even have the proper information to start your question.
0: Right. Right.
1: It kind of bugs the shit
0: out of me. And it should, rightfully so. You should start an OnlyFans and just offer suspension help. That's what you should do. (laughs) That's
1: that's really the solution,
0: I think, that we're getting to here. uh, i fucking had... uh, Lachlan on a few weeks ago and he was talking about squishy bits and he's like that's like the best thing that I'm like he's like I love doing it but it's like a paid thing that he does to set up people's suspension right versus just hitting him up on Instagram and I'm sure his answer would be the same where you're like if you just message him like what should I set my suspension I'll probably be like fuck you like it yeah
1: (laughs) it's just not possible
0: yeah right
1: and it's so specific
0: like if you watch any of the dialed shit you know like it doesn't matter if you weigh the same Like your settings are still going to be different, like person to person and bike to bike and condition to condition, area to area. Like it's just it's going to change. That's the whole fucking point of the series. Yeah, (laughs) basically is like yeah, it's uh yeah, that's got to be a little little front, but maybe OnlyFans that's the solution. Start thinking about it. That's a side gig. Um, (laughs) what? Yeah i I don't think I've ever asked you for anything suspension related other than when I asked you about Tall Boy running a coil on a tall boy because I had never seen anyone do that before. And that was actually very helpful. So I appreciate you not deleting me and, and giving me the answer to that. Cause I couldn't, cause I looked for hours before I messaged you and I was like, I yeah, was I can't See, find. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. You did the research.
0: I couldn't find anything.
1: Wall.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> was like, I literally couldn't find anything. And I was just like, all right, fuck. All right. Like, this is it. But like, I was also coming from a place where I'm like, I, when people hit me up blindly, do no research at all. Do no leg work. It's funny because that's in some ways people like call that gatekeeping where you're like you're not giving people the answers you're not and it's not though right it's there's a very fine line and that line is putting in the effort to try something and to it's the same conversation we just had about e-biking where like if you get to a certain point and you have the skill set and you have the knowledge and you're like willing to put in that work you can you can get there right you're not just going out there blind and just swinging for the fences
1: yeah, absolutely. No. And I mean, we honestly we get the same thing at races. Yeah, you show up to a World Cup and you roll up to the tent and you're like, "Hey, can you just set my bike up real quick?" No
0: way. People actually do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. What? What? What aircraft are you running? Well, I mean, I'm not totally sure. I don't have my phone with yeah. me. <laughs> you're in a you're in a World Cup like. This is the highest level of <laughs> and you're just now thinking about setting your bike up. Yeah, and if you've done it wrong, that's okay. But if you haven't done it at all, and you have, you don't even know where you are. That's not okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like get to a point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I,
0: I can. Yeah, I, I get that. That sounds insane to me that somebody would do that, but. I uh, people do a lot of weird. Do change. you imagine
1: showing up to a World Cup ski race like with the wrong size boots? Yeah, and be- <laughs> or you're just like, yeah, I don't know, these suck. Yeah, like, what well, did you try them on before? No. It- <laughs> what size should I be? Yeah, I, don't
0: know. It's how I, you I that's the biggest difference between bike and ski I think is like that would be so not tolerated in skiing like it wouldn't even you would not even be able to get in the door right. to that yeah. point right bike is like so much more like there are so many more accessible points that somebody can get like somebody can get into a world cup reasonably easy right it's not <laughs> I'm sure, as I'm sure you know It's not like everybody does not have their shit together. Everybody does not have their shit all all dialed in versus a ski world cup is very much like you are prepped and ski racers in particular is probably a bad example because they are the opposite of downhill racers in my experience where they are like, they have like, everybody's prepped their gear. They are extremely neurotic about every single little detail other than like their performance in a lot of cases. They're like, the the skis matter the most, the tuning matters the most, everything matters the most, and I guess, in a way, there is a lot of similarities to downhill racing, as I'm saying it out loud, but it, there's, it's way more gear and condition dependent, I feel like, and people are much lazier in skiing about what they, like, they just, they show up with their, like, with their gear, and they kind of expect the gear to do, do the work in a lot of ways.
1: Right. So. I think that there's definitely parallels to bike racing as well. That happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, but at the mm-hmm. highest level, does it? Like, yeah,
1: not. I mean, not not for the people that are actually winning, right? Or like being competitive. But there's definitely a path of people that are just there. And on the one hand, that's great. Like it's accessible and. You get people interested in the sport and racing. But on the other hand, it is a World Cup, right? Right. This should be the sharp end of the spear. Yeah. But there aren't a whole lot of options either. There's not like a a starter series. There's not tons of racing for everyone to do. It's like, if you can get into a World Cup, you do. And sometimes there's people that are... Like they're working hard and they're figuring stuff out and they're working on a shoestring budget, but they do it well.
0: Yeah.
1: And then there's other people that are just supremely gifted and they're just showing up, throwing stuff on the street and then riding down the hill. And no clue.
0: Right. Yeah. So. I guess it could go both ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. Yeah. And I think both of those things are war- like it- that's a good point though is like it can happen both ways right like it can happen where you're like you're you are supremely talented and you just don't give a shit like you're just like i'm gonna run it and i'm gonna do whatever and whatever happens happens and you can win that way right and i think there's people who have to work extremely hard to get there on a shoestring budget and and make it happen but they still can make it happen for themselves and that's what to me is so cool about bike racing is like you don't have to start with this like enormous amount of money you can you can make it work right like you can ride a clapped out bike and make it fucking happen for yourself if you care enough i think and that's one of the biggest differences between that and skiing is skiing is really 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 hard to be competitive because everything costs money like literally everything from the lift tickets to the entry fees to the travel to the like all this shit is way more complicated i think it, it eliminates people from contention in a lot of ways versus bikes is like, if you have a bike, you could ride the wrong bike and be competitive. Right. Like you can, you can get yeah. there if you're skilled enough yeah, and you're absolutely. willing to
1: work hard enough. For sure. It's still 90% rider. Right. Which and my job is suspension. And I'm telling you that most of the skill is most of the speed is from the rider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine so. Um, so let's let's talk about your job for a second. What your official job title, according to LinkedIn, um, is global race department manager at Fox Factory. Um this is still accurate, I assume. What what does that yeah, mean? I <laughs> yeah, may, well, we'll see. Um what does that mean? What do you do on a day to day basis? What is what does your job actually entail? Because I think like we mentioned, I, people probably just assume that you stand in front of a camera all day and that's your job. Pretty mm-hmm. much.
1: No, so wintertime I'm home at our office in Scotch Valley, which is like a little suburb of Santa Cruz. And we have a race department there with a few guys. We go through product, we do product testing, we do uh, work we work with athletes in the off season. Basically my job is to hopefully present a functional product to our top athletes and win races. And whatever that entails, um, whether it's hiring tech staff or planning racing or working on vehicles and you know getting all that stuff sorted, that's kind of my job.
0: What? How much does the product actually change year to year? Obviously, when something huge comes out, like you know a new damper or something like that, like that's obviously a very big change. But in general, how much would you say a product changes season to season? Um, you know when you guys are making those tweaks, right? Like, what do you what are you guys looking for? And because I think people always think that like the newest thing is the best thing, and it's changed so much, and you've reinvented the wheel every time. So I guess I'm curious to know from your side of things what what that actually looks like, and what kind of tweaks you guys are searching for. That, for yeah. what you can te- for what you can actually tell me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, really historically our racers have been on the same product you can buy um and again that goes in cycles so it's like we'll launch something new the top athletes have probably been on it for a few months at least or we hope then you got a year of kind of sorting out that product and then, maybe the following year, you start to actually figure out some flaws and issues and start working through some things. Mm. And then you get another a third year of development before the next product cycle. Mm. So, the bike industry is pretty weird in that it, it doesn't seem to learn a whole lot, it <laughs> constantly reinvents itself. Yeah. If you look at a lot of other products in racing, the functional product is very similar to what it was 10 years ago. It's just a refinement. Right. is like kind of the opposite. It's like everything's new every time it comes out. <laughs> right. And we've kind of gotten into this, this weird cycle of people expecting everything to be new. I mean, even automotive, it's like you look at car cycles and if you really stripped off the bodywork and the paint not a whole lot changes. Right. But a bike can be completely different every time.
0: Is that frustrating to you? It's extremely frustrating to me because there's it feels like there's a new standard every year that you have to keep up with, maybe multiple new standards in a year and I'm like it becomes very hard to keep up with. And it also feels like you're reselling, at least like from the retail to consumer end, right? You're reselling things to people a lot. Where you're like, oh, you just bought this bike. Cool. Here's what's changed. Here's why it's so great. Here like, and that's retail in general, but you're like things have actually changed significantly enough in the course of five years or six years that you can make an argument that it is substantially better, right? And you ride a bike from five yeah. years ago and you're like, fuck man, like this is we're in a whole different world like five six years ago oh, 29ers I mean, were still not like it, 29er full suspensions were still not a super complete product right like half of them were yeah. shit still so yeah. and now we're at this point where if you don't have a good full suspension 29er you're you're way out right like you're you're beyond mm-hmm. that point so is that frustrating to you that it changes so often or is it exciting
1: i don't mind the change if it's If it's been thought of, like if if you're changing something to make a better product, that's great. But if you're changing something just because you have this idea that it might be better for somebody or the, of the two bikes you've ridden, this is the better one. Yeah. Then I just find that kind of a waste. Yeah. I just think that we're very slow to learn and study as an industry.
0: Mm.
1: You know, there can't be 50 different ways to make a bike work.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> if you look at any
1: other sport, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Right, really? yeah, I agree. I mean, again, back to Moto, it's a two wheeled vehicle that a lot of people are familiar with. Those things look exactly the same as they did 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Right. They're not significantly different. And if you take every brand and lay them across each other, they'd be very, very close.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Again, there's differences. It's not apples to apples, but bikes are so wildly different.
0: No, for sure. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Like think about bikes 10 years ago. Yeah. Like it's an insane thing. Like how much has changed. It's every few years it's different and prices drop and drive trains go crazy. Like, it's like, you should see someone walk in and see an Eagle drivetrain for the first time. Like the look on their face when they're like, what is that for? You know, like who's climbing? And you're like, no gear ratio. Like it's that it's that changes so rapid that it causes a shock factor. And sometimes I think bike companies use that shock factor just to sell product. And I'm like, to me, I think of like Trek is the most, they do this the most to me in my head because they just change sit, shit sometimes to make it look a certain way or feel a certain way or, like, have something that is different in picture, and it may not actually work any different. And Specialized does this as well, and I'm sure plenty of other brands I think do. I we all do. I'm sure every company does it anybody. to a certain yeah. Nobody's unique. Not I just think of like, of every time I say that, I just think of that fucking super caliber. And I'm like, that is the worst looking bike that I've ever seen in my life. But like, and it's just like, doesn't, I don't like, anyway, not getting on this tangent, but I, yeah, I, I just wonder if that's a, a harmful thing for the industry long-term. Um, and I, I don't know that there, we're not going to come to an answer here, but it's, it's 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 a little it's hard to explain to a consumer, especially because of how much bikes grew during the pandemic and how many more people bought bikes and how many more people kind of, like, gained an interest in riding a bike. I, that was one of my biggest worries right off the rip was, is it to, like, are people going to get bored of this, right? Are people just going to drop off and the whole industry is going to, like, start to go downhill because people are going to realize, like, okay, this is really complicated. It was really fucking hard to get a bike. And, yeah, bikes are fun, but, like there's a lot of shit going on. It's expensive and shit's changing every couple of years. Like, I think, I, I don't know that new buyer is kind of who I'm, I'm thinking about, I guess when I'm saying this.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. This is a hard question for me because, uh, I think I'm incredibly biased by growing up where I did. Okay. In Santa Cruz where yeah. basically everything's illegal. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> So it's a very limited resource. Right. And I'm in Canada right now. I just raced the Rebel Soak Enduro this saw weekend. that Yeah. And it was, it's, I travel all the time, whatever. But it's still a shock to me to go somewhere. And people are friendly and stoked. And they're like, oh, you're riding a bike? That's awesome. Yeah. And you come to Santa Cruz and people are like, you're riding a bike? Fuck! Well, I wish you'd just <laughs> go home why it's, it's like surfing. i still don't you,
0: understand I, I still don't get it
1: you just there's no room right and we're starting to crowd all these people into one little yeah. area yeah and then you introduce e-bikes and you introduce just basic ignorance
0: shuttling i saw that yeah, Shuttling. Like fucking a riding e-bikes
1: up downhill trails <sighs> yeah just it's just a lack of respect that you'd see at any campsite or anything that happened during covid you know things getting swarmed campsites getting destroyed yeah, it, it's just one of those things that happens when things get crowded, and it's the same with surf breaks. It's like everybody's now a surfer. Yeah, well, there's only a few hundred yards of a good of good break here. So yeah, how is that going to work if we bring in another hundred people and sell them all surfboards? And what's where are they going to go? <sighs> and depending on where you live, that is or isn't an issue. So I've just been shaped by where I grew up and where I learned to <laughs> right. ride. Yeah. Okay. Like obviously, a lot of European bike parks that's just not a problem. Or yeah, seems Canada that's just not a problem. There's plenty of room for everybody to ride.
0: It's funny. New England's small, but I don't really think it's a problem here either. Like people, people just go and ride. Like I, I'm, I was complaining at the trailhead the other day that I felt like it was busy all the time. There's like fucking ten. 10 cars in the parking lot or something, you know, and like there's 30 miles, 40 miles of trails. Like, and I'm whining about yeah. 10 cars in the parking lot and I have to see one person while I'm out there and it's so yeah. busy, you know? So I get, it is totally area specific. The The problem I think is exactly what you're talking about though, is like Santa Cruz or even here, the areas that people know about the like must hit spots people are skipping their like local trail and they're going directly to those spots, I guess. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's crowding it. Right. They know they figured it out. They're like, I'm a mountain biker now. And I'm going to these places because these are the best. Why would I go anywhere but the best? And you lose that, that I'm riding my local trail system feel that like, this is my home. This is where I ride. Right. Yeah. And I, and
1: we're not talking 10 cars. We're talking like 400 cars. Right. That's (laughs) in an area that's, tiny yeah it's it's a few hundred acres yeah fully illegal fully illegal yeah there's yes, a facebook sure. group named ucsc highway on trail and it's all these idiots posting their videos of these illegal trail network <sighs> giving maps giving directions it's just mind-blowing to me how is it I, so open like people are so
0: open about it though like that's how is it an illegal trail system that's so highly trafficked that I guess my question is why? Why is it still illegal? And why, if it's that illegal, why is everybody fucking talking about it? Like, stop talking about it, then. You know, like I get that it is yeah. amazing. Like I've ridden those trails; it's fucking amazing. And now I'm talking about it now, and we're fucked. So this is like, this is ruining. This is ruining everything for you. So I apologize, but it's, it's everywhere. Like everybody just constantly is talking about it. How the fuck is it still illegal? And why? Like, how has it not gotten like? axed if that's the point. Like, if there's so many idiots just posting it on Strava and like posting every route that they do and talking, like, I get we want to share these trails, but and even like, yeah, I, I, dude, I don't know. That's such a weird thing to me. Illegal trails in general are very, like, it's a very bizarre discussion.
1: Yeah, it is. It, the whole internet celebrity thing is a bizarre discussion and not like all of the Strava shit that started with Strava. Well, it started with people but Strava was one of the bigger evils in this whole thing as well it's like I remember pre like when Strava came out social media was still a pretty small thing yeah. but you started <laughs> to see these signs of people cutting trails or doing really uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's just mind-blowing I mean it's no different than cheating at a risk right yeah you, it's It's true however you want to do and now people are strong doping and and doing all kinds of other (laughs) stuff it's just it's it's so insane and then you got these other guys with their youtube channels (sighs) posting illegal trail networks driving around trying to show how cool they are and bragging about it yeah yeah absolutely
0: that's yeah, that's the part that drives me a little insane. Like I get it, you go to this place, you want to talk about it, right? Because it's beautiful, it's it's amazing, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> and this goes for any trail system. But like if you're on private property or you're on like property that is not made for those things, like people do it here all the time. Well they'll they'll ride trails that are illegal, myself included that ride these trails but then they'll go and they'll like completely blow up these spots that are like behind people's houses like the cut through is behind somebody's house that you got specific permission to go ride and then all of a sudden like somebody's like oh this is where i this is it now this is the spot like this is where everybody go and then it's fucking ruined and that that part bums me out it's just really hard like I how do you manage it like how do you manage going on a ride you just go ride your bike and that's it And that's all there is to it. Like, there's no extra steps. There's no Strava. Do you have a Strava? You're fully against it.
1: Fully against it. Oh, I love that. I I just find it so bizarre. Right. And everybody's like, oh, I just want to track my rides. Like, bullshit. There's tons of ways to track your rides. Yeah. You're just trying to compare yourself to somebody else that probably didn't know they were racing. it's, It's not... It's not what it is. It's not racing. I'm sorry. Like, if
0: you want to go race. Well, so that's my thing. Okay, so here's my argument, because I actually like Strava to a certain extent, and I I don't mind admitting it, because I like Strava because it motivates me to go ride often, right? It, it motivates me to go out there and be like, my buddy just did a ride. He did 100. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to go ride 30 miles, because, like, I just saw he did something that's going to motivate me to get off my ass and actually, like, spend some personal time with myself. Right, like so. That's my reasoning for it. I think leaderboards, though. I think that should be fucking axed. They ax that tomorrow. I'd be psyched about it. Like ko, like everybody likes to brag about kom's, and I do it kind of facetiously sometimes. But because I don't give a fuck. Like you go and you do one trail. There's somebody faster than you, guaranteed. That as soon as they come, like Phil Gaimon's a perfect example. Like. That dude goes to random areas and just steals KOMs. Like, that's funny to me. Like, that's amazing. Like, you just... Because there is somebody faster than you that's going to take that fucking thing. Exactly like you said, it's not a real race. You're just... Like, people have this need to be competitive, and that's awesome, but... Not at the expense of mountain bikers, mountain bikers are dicks in air quotes because they're fucking running people off the trail that are just out there walking their dogs or they're out there Strava chasing or cutting corners in trail like you see it in every trail system, like where people have cut off trail and you're just like no matter what the trail builders do to, you know, pl- block those areas, somebody's finding a way a new hole to cut through on a segment for no reason other than to like brag to their friends.
1: I mean, I, again, I guess I don't have a problem with Strava for doing things like that, and as long as they're healthy. But Strava also has a history of not not involving themselves in anything. In anything. They're just like, here's our platform. On the way to <laughs> trail. Not our problem.
0: Responsible trail use Where, is not a thing we care about. Yeah.
1: yeah, right. Where it would be quite easy for them to black out areas. Yeah, I mean, Forks does it.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: So it can't be that hard. And those guys are selling all your info. I don't care. You think you're on travel. You think you're off heat maps. You're not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're just not
1: seeing that you're on heat maps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're riding illegal trails with Strouda. Yeah. That's,
0: this is a good, this is good info for people. So for people going to Santa Cruz.
1: (laughs) Or anywhere else. like Or anywhere. You didn't build it. You don't get to tell other people where it is unless it's legal. It's just not
0: right and this is again just to clarify this is for illegal trails specifically this is like yeah. stuff that you got specific permission to ride we're not saying like don't go to your fucking don't go to like robinson state nice. park for example like go do whatever the fuck you want there it's it's allowed there, right like i i have an illegal trail system near my house that i ride all the time and i do my best to not fucking put it on there at all and if i do it's private more often than not because it's like you don't want that shit getting shut down You really don't like, it's just, it's really hard to be put in a position where like, I don't know, you don't want to be the one that ruins it for everybody. And that's, especially when there's these beautiful open spaces that are like, people are basically just being okay with you using them. Yeah. That's like, that's what it is. It's not a, you don't have real permission. You just have like, people are just being okay. (laughs) They're just accepting that it's done. Right. (laughs) So it's just happening. Yeah, it's just happening. Um, okay, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I want to get through some agree or disagrees that I was I was watching dialed this morning actually, and I was like preparing for this, and I was like, okay, let's let's ask some questions <laughs> that I think can go either way, and I think your answers could go either way. Um, so we'll start with number one. Uh, most suspension adjustments are unnecessary for most riders. Agree or disagree? And we're talking past the baseline, like a correct air in your shock. Generally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying once you're past the basics of like setting. I'm 200 pounds. Yes. Rebound. Right.
0: I'm 200 pounds. I put whatever, hundred PSI on my fork. Once you're past the very baseline suspension <laughs> adjustments.
1: As a blanket statement, I would agree with that. Okay. I would say that most things are from my experience, most things seem to be over most people's heads and they don't seem to be interested in putting any in effort.
0: Yeah. People want to just go ride their bike.
1: There's no point in having
0: it. Yeah. I would agree. I think I'm in agreement with your agreements on this topic. I, I it's it's a hard one because I like I like having all the buttons and all the clickies and playing with them, and it's really it's fun for me. Like I actually enjoy that part of the process, but the majority of the people that I ride with, many of whom are better riders than me, have no fucking interest, nor do they have the same amount of settings. And they're just like, you know what, whatever, like it is, it works. works. Right. And that's, yeah. and I think that's a really important thing because we talk about all of this tech all the time. And it's, it's cool to talk about the newest and latest and greatest people think that they need it. I think the baseline is like, as long as you get to a basic setting point, you can just go ride your bike. Yeah, Will absolutely. it make it better? Sure. Sure. But who knows? You might also make it worse.
1: (laughs) There
0: is that. Agree or disagree. Sag is the most important adjustment you could make on your bike if you could only make, if you could only set one thing. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's, and and on this topic, what like sag varies when what you hear that is like an acceptable range of sag varies very often, I think. How does someone find what their SAG should be at? Like, I mean, because everybody, I feel like every manufacturer website has a different thing on it, and it just confuses the general populace. So is there, like, is there a quick way to just figure out where you should be at?
1: I think the biggest thing to remember is that it doesn't matter. What matters is that you start. Right. And if you... If you're like, well, I would set SAG except for this guy said 25 and this guy said 30 and this guy said 32. Just pick one. <laughs> and start, right? Like, right. start the process. Right. And you can bracket SAG just like you can bracket anything else. Yeah. So if it doesn't work for you, then try a different one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But- I- to, to mire yourself in the details before you've even started, is just you're just committing to failure right away. Yeah. Like, just get going. Write down what you're doing and start riding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of these questions can be answered by, like, just go ride your bike. And that's been, like, my whole bit lately is, like, just fuck off and just go actually pedal. Like, that would be really nice if people did that a little more often, especially, like, just so much shit going on in the world. Like, it's really nice to just go out and ride your, it's really like, there's yeah. so much shit going on in the world. Just go get off your stupid phone and just go ride your bike. Yeah. Um, okay. Agree or disagree. Most riders you work with, uh, need to talk about suspension changes more than they actually need to make suspension changes. Most
1: riders I Man, that's, that's a hard one. Because I get both. Mostly know you guys get both. To, <laughs> the, the guys that I deal with all the time, it's mostly about talking about it. Yeah. And it's like starting the week off, ending the week the same place you were last week, but we want three, 10 different setups. Yeah. But then all the people that have never done anything, those guys are the opposite. Like, they need to <laughs> pay attention to what's going on. Right. that's a 50 50 51 right
0: there right down the middle yeah i and i think like what prompted this for me obviously is like greg Minar is obviously the most famous i think of the puzzlers like where he's just like every video it feels like has him freaking out or wondering about this thing or that thing or the other thing and how what change should make and it feels like you end up at almost the same point very often as where you started. And sometimes, and obviously Greg is very smart. And if you haven't watched the series, like he knows what he's talking about. So it's kind of a different level of conversation in a lot of ways. But a lot of times I feel like those changes are just like, they're not changes. They're just like trying things and then going back to the standard.
1: A lot of times that's true. And it really is working through a process, whether it's like his mental his state of mind at the time yeah and having to adapt the bike to that and then working into the the fastest bit or if it's you know some other change that he's made and we're having to adapt the suspension to that but you're talking about somebody who's faster than 99.9 (laughs) percent of the population yeah and as soon as you take even 1% step down, these things don't matter anymore. Yeah. Right? You're, you're talking about splitting milliseconds here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the elite of the elite for the yeah. last 20 years. Yeah.
1: If, if you're looking, even at world cup level, if you're looking at the top 20, it's a whole different deal than the top 50 or 60.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how much that's separated Like at that, even at that level, right? Like the top 50 versus the top 10 or the top 20. It's people think if you're there, you're there, but you're kind of not.
1: Not really. Yeah. I mean, you are, and you're a phenomenal bike rider. Right. But the top (laughs) 10 is a different world.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy that that's in the same. uh, I guess it's not. I guess a lot of things are like that, but it's just. It's so it is. It's so different. You see it every single race, and it's like a crazy thing if somebody in that top 40, 50 makes it into the top fifteen. It's like a huge win.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny though. Like if you ever watch Harder stuff or any yeah. like Moto qualifying, you watch these guys. They look like complete goons. Yeah, <laughs> and they're so much better than you. Yeah. Right? right? It's like yeah, yeah. The... the Maybe the the guy that qualified fiftieth, you watch him in a section. You're like, that guy can't ride a bike. I <laughs> promise you, he's so much better than <laughs> you'll ever be. Yeah. These things are that hard, and the sport is that difficult that it makes incredibly gifted people look bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's part of it. It's it's. I can't imagine how often you guys get the comments like, oh, my buddy's really fast. Like my buddy, yeah, like he's re- that. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm sure your buddy's really fast. It's like, I don't know, the Tour de France is this week, right? Like, your buddy's really fast, but he's not. There's a different level of competition at that real top tier.
1: There's also a lot of guys that are really fast that just won't ever be racers. Right. You you don't have the mentality.
0: Yeah. How much of it do you think is physical? The ability to win
1: is hard. It's, It's not for everyone.
0: Yeah, and that separates a lot of people, I would imagine. The mental aspect of it and the physical aspect of it is, you know, exactly. are almost yeah. equally important in a lot of
1: ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm a mm-hmm. relatively crappy bike here. and mm-hmm. I still, I go experience like this Rebel stuff thing was way over my head physically, <laughs> but it it puts me in their shoes. And I'm stressing. I'm getting butterflies. I'm doing dumb things because I'm stressed out. Right. And that just lets you kind of communicate with these athletes a little bit better. It's not the same, but it is also at the same time you're going through the emotions in the same way. Yeah. And for me, that really helps to just be like, just it's so easy to criticize these people. Like if you look at a lot of the dial comments, they're like, "How does this guy not know how to set up his bike? This guy's been racing 20 years." it's not that easy there's a lot of other things going on and sometimes you just want to talk to somebody that is going to say you're okay we did this we did this you're
0: good yeah yeah that's that's got to be a very comforting thing for a lot of these athletes because like i mean i don't know if anybody's ever even gotten off a plane and just went for a bike ride right away but like that even that fucking shit's
1: hard it wrecks you like it wrecks you and you've ever excused in the book. They're flying and building a bike and going into practice the next
0: day. There's no way. And riding the hardest shit in the world, like on, yeah, clapped out downhill track. Yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah. Fuck. Um, all right. Two more quick ones. Uh, <laughs> agree or disagree. Downhill bikes are only necessary in 2022 for true downhill racing.
1: <laughs> I, I guess I disagree. Really? Plenty of people have fun in the park on um, down. I mean, necessary? Yeah. <sighs> you can ride a trail bike everywhere, but I know plenty of people that have downhill bikes and just go to bike parks and ride around, and they have fun.
0: I do too, and I just think a lot of those people could be better served riding a trail bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing. Is like, you, cares, you need a dual
1: crown. Ride it.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: All right. You know, it's one of those things. I don't. I don't even have a downhill bike right now. Yeah. I live in California. There's nowhere to ride downhill. No uh, I'm gone all year, and I'm not going to travel with a downhill bike and <laughs> I leave a trail bike at home. Right. My riding window is like 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning most of the time. Right. At least on the road, so downhill bikes are not super helpful.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. I didn't think that was going to be a disagree, but I, I very <laughs> much, I very much see the point. Um, last one, uh, dirt bikes are cooler than mountain bikes. Cooler, obviously being a very blanket and broad statement. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I disagree. I just
1: think anytime you bring up cool, you've already lost. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: you know, what's funny. I, I don't care either. And I think bikes are, I like bikes better. Um, but for some reason, I thought that you were gonna say dirt bikes. Um, that would have been mm-hmm. my—if I was betting, that would have been my guess.
1: I, 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 I love motos, but I mean, bikes are a lifelong passion. Yeah. And if I was gonna pick one, I'd definitely pick a bike. I mean, not to mention that you can use it as, as a tool for so many other things. Whereas motorcross like, bike, you're not really gonna go to the store I mean you could.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: And, you're riding one is a lot more of a hassle than riding a mountain bike.
0: Definitely, especially when you talk about illegal trails. And if we get down that down that rabbit hole, like holy shit. Um, cool. Uh, Jordy, thank you. I appreciate the time. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, where can people find you to ask you questions about their air pressure on Instagram? Where can people find your OnlyFans? Where can people find Dialed on YouTube? Um, give me the whole, give me the whole bit you can't find me incognito (laughs) i appreciate the time um dialed people should go watch that series it's it's uh it's very good and i i can't thank you enough for that thing it's uh it's it's great it's actually very helpful because i'll like leave it for the mechanics on in the shop or i have over the past few years just like have something on in the background and like Maybe maybe they'll pick up a thing or two, and I like and same like (laughs) I picked up a ton of shit that I didn't think about. So once again, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Cool.